how many people live in your house? Like, tell us about the house and, like, <laughs> kind of what goes on. Because, <laughs> you know, this could be, I mean, I feel like multi-generational can mean many things. You know, when I was looking up the term, it's like, it could be, like, a not an uncle live it with you. It could be just grandparents. It could be children, you know. So kind of tell us a little bit about what goes on at sure. home. So the house is my parents. So my mom and my dad live here. My younger sister. Um, and two years ago, my husband, myself, and my daughter, we now live there. And then over the summer, this summer, my older sister and her husband and her daughter, (laughs) they live here now. So that makes nine of us. And then we have one on the way. So that will be 10. (laughs) Hi, guys. I'm your host, Megan Van Diefender, and this is the Empowerhood Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. You know, motherhood is hard. And we are going to talk about all of the hard things that just are not talked about enough. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. And I appreciate it. I really do. (laughs) So thanks so much for being here. Um, Everyone out there listening today, we have Kara Kramer here. And Kara, I'm so excited to talk to you about this topic today um, because it's so funny. It comes up almost in every episode about... How, you know, like 80% of the world raises their children in like communities, in villages. And, you know, here in America, we just don't do that. And we're like, we have this mentality that we have to do it ourselves. So I'm just so excited to like just pick your brain um, of just what it's like to live in a multi-generational household and whatnot. So I'm really excited. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about you? Who is Kara? Okay, so... I'm a wife. I've been married for five years, and I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, My daughter is two, and then we have one on the way. We're down to just, geez, like five weeks until he'll be here, so (laughs) it's coming really quickly. Um, And then I also am a small business owner and a former teacher, so. Nice. Do you still work at the preschool? No, I actually had to stop because I got so sick during my pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so tell us a little bit about your business. Um, how, like, when did you start your business and what is it? Yeah, so my uh, business is called Care Shop of Pretty Things, and I make handmade pretty things that, um, like, for every occasion. So I mainly do earrings, but I do a ton of personalized and customized, you know, items and gifts. Um, but I started that when I decided to be a stay-at-home mom, um, I was struggling with some pretty, like a pretty heavy case of postpartum, you know, depression, anxiety. And my daughter was six months um, at the time. And it was just time for me to be done working and to be at home. And I realized I was like, oh, I'm going to need some sort of outlet, you know, so I don't go crazy all day. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And So I was talking on the phone with my mother-in-law and her friend, and her friend was like, oh, you should make earrings. And I'm like, okay, cool. Why not? And that's (laughs) how it started. (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Because, I mean, you really – I mean, people can't see this, obviously, while they're listening, but, I mean, your earrings are incredible, and you you. make a lot of them. And it's crazy that you do it all on your own. You know, I've seen you do big expos and whatnot, and it's pretty amazing. Um, Yeah, and that's grown pretty quickly, right, within the past two years – yeah, I've only been doing this for 
just at a year and a half maybe. So wow, yeah, it's been really fun. Wow, that's awesome. So when you became a mom, you know, what kind of pushed you towards like leaving your job and wanting to stay home? Is that what you always wanted to do or? Uh, so I did always like in my head, you know, as I picture my adult life, I did always want to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom and I really saw the benefit in that and I felt it, you know, I felt yeah. the benefit of having a stay-at-home mom. Um, and so if it was something that was going to be feasible for my family, it was something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, although I also felt like at the time, I felt like I had to work. And so I did. Um, and I think part of it was I went back too early. Like I was only eight weeks postpartum. Oh, wow. Um started a brand new job. Like I just moved here to upstate New York. So there was just a lot of change happening. Okay. Um, so when it was, yeah, when it was time, it was just like a very natural like flow. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so when you got married, you weren't living here. So you weren't living in New York. So were you close with your family then or where were you located? Yep. So I was in Orlando, Florida, and uh, my parents were also there and my younger sister. We actually lived about 10 minutes apart. Um, my family and I have always been pretty close, especially my mom and me. We were pretty much attached at the hip and like to the point that like when I went off to college, which I went to a school in Nebraska, everybody asked my mom, like, so are you buying a house there and moving too? Because Kara's <laughs> leaving. <laughs> <laughs> And when when they, you know, decided to move up here, everybody asked me, are you moving? And I'm like, no, I'm not going to New York. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> here I am. <laughs> How long – so was it when you were pregnant? Is that when you decided to move or what made you guys want to move? Yeah. So I had kind of been feeling like, okay, maybe our time might be coming to an end in Florida, but I wasn't really sure why I felt like that because um, – I I really loved everything. Like I loved my job. Um, I was in a great community. We had a great church, great friends, you know, all of that. So I wasn't looking to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when we found out we were pregnant, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because yeah. my family was up here in New York and my husband's family lives in a teeny tiny town in um, the middle of Nebraska. So we wouldn't have had anyone close and we wanted to raise our family near family. That's awesome. Now, I mean, I know we talked about this kind of a little bit before, but um, so did you always plan to move in with your mom and your stepdad? No. Not at okay. all. Okay. So you just <laughs> no, were like, I no. want to be close to you. It didn't – it wasn't like I yeah, want to be in the same house. I, okay. I really – never imagined like after getting married living with my family ever again um partially because I am independent and I like to be independent you know Mm -hmm. like I like to do things on my own and whatever and uh but also I feel like especially in America it's very frowned upon you know like whenever Mm -hmm. somebody's like oh I live with my parents there's always that negative like you live with your parents yeah um but God just made it really clear, like, this is how it's supposed to be, even though I didn't want that necessarily. Like, I wanted to be close, but I didn't want to be in the same house. Yeah. Um, but it's been great. 
That's awesome. So how many people live in your house? Like, tell us about the house and, like, <laughs> kind of what goes on. Because, <laughs> you know, oh, this could be, I mean, I feel like multi-generational can mean many things. You know, when I was looking up the term, it's like, it could be, like, a not an uncle live it with you. It could be just grandparents. It could be children. You know, so kind of tell us a little bit about what goes on at sure. home. So the house is my parents. So my mom and my dad live here. My younger sister. Um, and... Two years ago, my husband, myself, and my daughter, we now live there. And then over the summer, this summer, my older sister and her husband and her daughter, (laughs) they live here now. So that makes nine of us. And then we have one on the way. So that will be ten. Yeah. Wow. I know. Like when your mom first told me that everyone's living there, I was like, how big is this house? But it is big. So it's it's crazy to me that your parents – you know, when they moved here, they didn't know that you guys were going to move here. And I just think it's so incredible that, like, God kind of guided them to buy this huge house that they didn't really need. And somehow yeah. it just all worked out that you guys ended up wanting to move here. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, they actually tried to downsize because when they moved, it was just three and the dog. And so they were looking for a small home and God had other plans. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. So what is it like in the house? Tell us about it. Like, is it, you know, chaotic? Is it peaceful? Like, what do you, what what have you had to do to adjust to living like this, I guess? Yeah, Um, I think it kind of depends. It's on the day. Um, I mean, having a toddler in the house, it's kind of always some sort of a little bit crazy. Just I feel like that comes with the territory. Um, But as far as having so many people in the house, it's definitely an adjustment at first, you know, it was just my husband and me. And then um, we welcomed our daughter and then also had, you know, three other people in the house at the same time. But uh, really, I feel like personally, the hardest part about all nine of us living together is trying to figure out like when we can use water and that kind of, you know, because like we can't all take a shower at the same time right. or like right. if somebody's taking a shower and we need to wash clothes or that kind of, you know, like little things, little things or when yeah. we need to make dinner, there's only one kitchen. So even though we right. all have our separate spaces, so we can kind of get away when we need a break, mm-hmm. um, when it's time to make food, we're all, you know, in each other's way. <laughs> now, do you guys eat together or do you eat separate Oh, meals we're all or? on different. Yeah, uh, pretty much separate. Just we're all on different schedules. So we kind of just eat I don't know, like as Whenever. as everyone can, yeah. Right, right. Now, like, what were some of the biggest adjustments, like, when you first moved in with your parents? Like, what did you have to change, like, mentality-wise? Because, like you said, in America, it's like, you know, it's kind of just has a stigma around it that, like, something's wrong if you're living with your parents, you know, after a certain age. Sure, yeah. Um, so, personally, I think a lot of it for me was just, like, letting go of my ego, um, you know, like, if this is really what what God wants for me mm-hmm. and my family, you know, he will make it so known. And so I was just really praying over that clarity because I'm like, I don't want to not do this because I don't want, you know, like other people's opinion mm-hmm. to like make my decision. Um, and so the more I prayed about it and the more I thought about it, I was like, man, this makes it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Um so really, once I just stopped caring, like, about what somebody might think, like, when I tell them, oh, I live with my parents, you know, as a married woman, as a mom, yeah. um, it, it's been 
great. That's amazing. Now, were you able to kind of like utilize the resources that you had like right away? Because did you – how soon after did you have Colette, you know, when you moved in with your parents? Mm -hmm. Uh, two months. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. So you moved at eight months? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Don't – zero out of ten recommended. Don't do that. Oh, my God. Oh, that's hilarious. So were you – so you kind of just got, like, thrown into it, and you almost – you probably had to ask for help, right? Because you said that you struggled with postpartum depression. So, like, what happened in that time? Uh, so (laughs) – It really started out, long story short, I had a really traumatic hospital experience, um, like when we were in the hospital with Colette. And so I think a lot of that played into my postpartum struggles. Um, And the first week of Colette's life and the first week of my recovery, I was bedridden. Like I truly could not do anything. I barely even remember it. Um, And so... I didn't really have a choice. Like I didn't even ask for help. I Mm. needed help, you know? And so being in the house where my mom, you know, my family already was and was huge because there's no way we could have done that on our own. Um, And Paul, my husband, he was so helpful, but he was also really nervous. First time dad, he had never held a baby before, (laughs) you know, like we had our own. And so like that would have been really overwhelming for him to try to navigate like what's going on with me and then also having this newborn that he you know right. doesn't really know like what am I supposed to do so crazy I mean I yeah. feel like that really goes to show too that God really was like guiding you in the right direction now what happened at the hospital and like why did you have such a struggle after like what happened um so kind of just one thing after another but um it started out so Colette was breached um, which we knew she was breech, and so we ended up having a scheduled C-section um, due to her position. And after the C-section, I ended up with one of the spinal headaches from the anesthesia. Oh, wow. um, however, I was refused care at the hospital, so they didn't help me and give me what I needed to get better because there's only one solution when you have a spinal headache, which is a blood patch. And instead of doing that, they put me on pain meds, which took them if what felt like a million years to get to me. And um, wow. just it was kind of one thing after another, like the lactation consultant. She also refused to help me. It was a Friday evening. She wanted to clock out and go home. And then I ended up having a bunch of, you know, issues nursing and I yeah. couldn't do it. And we had an issue with the, the fire alarms. The fire alarms went off and we oh, didn't know, nice. like, is something happening? Is it not happening? And there was nobody on the hall. Like, everybody had left. They, like, all the nurses were gone. People were outside the window in the parking lot. Like, they had evacuated, but they didn't get us. So we didn't know, like are we in danger? Are we not in danger? Oh and it just like, just kept happening. <laughs> wow. So yeah, to say that's like, stressful after just having like a surgery too. That mm-hmm. that's crazy. So you being bedridden, did that have to do with, you know, obviously the stress and you had to recover, but was it the headache that was keeping you? Yeah. Okay. And I assume the pain head was made... so severe. Wow. Yeah. I've never heard mm-hmm. of that. So a spinal headache. Okay. And mm-hmm. that has to do with the anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have you always had issues with anesthesia or was this, was this the first time you've ever? It was my first time. Hmm. Um, 
my mom has issues with anesthesia, but mm. she's never had a spinal headache before. I mean, but she never had a C-section, so she wouldn't have had that experience. Right. But so I don't know. I don't know if it was yeah. a genetic thing, but according to my OB, like it's pretty much a fluke of like who's going to get them and who's not. Wow. Like you can't predict it. Um, so I was just lucky, I guess. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I would call it luck. but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, you're lucky that you had your family, though, because everyone swooped in. Everyone helped. Yeah. Um, that's that's amazing. Cause, yeah, I'm sure Paul would have had a hard time, you know, doing that all on his own while you recovered. Yeah. So that was kind of the start, right? The start of, yeah. you know, <laughs> accepting help and like really – raising your child around so many people now do you feel like everyone kind of pitches in and helps raise her I do even you know in the newborn days when we're all exhausted and nobody's sleeping um there were a lot of extra hands and so there were times when we would be like we've been trying to get her to sleep for three hours or you know whatever it was and somebody was there to be able to just like give us a break hold her walk her around the house whatever it was that needed to happen or even like you know I just need to take a shower (laughs) you know right there was somebody who could give me the 10 15 whatever minutes I needed you know to just take a shower and have a minute Yeah, absolutely. Now, as she gets older, I mean, now she's two, right? So, like, I feel like I've, you know, when I read stories about, like, kids being raised in communities, I think a lot of it is, like, you know, so they say the kids are out running around, you know, playing and, like, something happens. Someone's always there to direct them Mm -hmm. in the right direction to to make a good choice or to guide them in the right direction. Do you feel like your family would be on the same page with, like, your parenting, you know, as she gets older? Yeah, I mean, we definitely all have – like our own boundaries, mm-hmm. um, just in general, like when mm-hmm. you live with so many people, it's really important to have boundaries, period, um, to make it work. And, you know, they respect how Paul and I choose to parent our mm-hmm. family. And so I know that like they wouldn't do something to like contradict what we're working right. on or something like that. So, yeah, I do feel like it is helpful, you know, to have other people because, I mean, realistically, a two-year-old, geez, they go so – they move so fast. (laughs) You know, there are times I, like, turn my head and she's not even in the room anymore. I'm like, wait. (laughs) Right. And you're about to have another baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and speaking of help, I mean, you had – you've had the condition. You're going to have to say it for me. How do you say it? Mm -hmm. It's called hyperemesis gravidarum, which it's just called HG for short. Okay. So you had that with both of your pregnancies, right? Where you're, you tell us a little mm-hmm. about this. What happens? So basically, HG is a really severe form of um, nausea and/or vomiting, and it's pretty much when morning sickness is more than morning sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody is affected by it differently. Only three percent of pregnant women are actually diagnosed with it, wow. and twenty like out of that three percent, eighty percent of them. Typically, you feel relief around 20 weeks, which with Colette, I was lucky to be in that 80%. And so I had a really hard, you know, first half of pregnancy, dropped 20 pounds. Um, It was really hard to work full time. I was teaching elementary school um, and I wasn't, you know, really eating much because I was so sick all the time. But this time I got sick earlier and I got a lot more sick 
And so even today, like I was feeling really nauseous earlier oh my um, God. and I'm 34 weeks. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, this time I, I dropped the 20 pounds, um, but there were days when I would, I cracker. Um, wow. You said you couldn't even and, eat a cracker. Yeah. Wow. And like over the course of a day. And um, there are medications that they that the doctors can put you on, and they change my medications probably five to seven times. And um, sometimes oh they helped me like enough to get off the couch, and other times it was just not like yeah. not at all. Oh my god! So. so again, going back to having this village and support system, so right. everyone kind of just came together and helped you. Yeah, it was, I honestly don't know how I would have done it, or we would have done it, um, like, getting as sick as I do um, while pregnant. I, you know, I am a stay-at-home mom, so it's not like I was missing work, but if it was just Paul Collette and me, he would have had to stay home from his job because right. I, I there were days it. when, yeah, many days when I, I could not get off the couch, and, you know, having a toddler, that's really not an option. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you know, juggling around all of our schedules, there'd be times when my mom is a life coach. And so she she has her own sessions and stuff but like in between her sessions or before, like she could help me with Colette for, you know, a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. And my younger sister is at home. And so she helped out a lot. And so it was really a huge blessing wow. um, to have so many people. Yeah, that's amazing. And I feel like going into this, you know, next delivery too, having your second child, like you're going to have, you know, this built in, you know, care system too. So like, I guess I love how you guys do this. I mean, I would never, I feel like you have to have some type of family dynamic where you'd be able to pull this off and you guys have it because like just my mom would just feed my daughter chocolate, I feel like all day. <laughs> I don't know like what I would do. <laughs> She's wonderful, but, like, I can't imagine living in the same house with her with my child. Obviously, I grew up living with my parents. Um, right. So, like, what would you suggest and, like, how how do we create our village without, like, moving in with our whole entire family? Yeah. I mean, for some people, you know, family isn't a village and that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. And so whoever it is, you know, whether it's your your friends, your coworkers, your church – whoever mm -hmm. like find your village and use them because you know like everybody says mm -hmm. it takes a village to raise a child that like <laughs> I you know I knew like oh it's gonna be hard to be a mom mm -hmm. or whatever but man that meaning or that uh that saying has way more meaning than I ever expected it to yeah, um, yeah. like it it really has taken you know like my village to help raise my family yeah. and yeah so definitely find your people and use them and actually ask for help for. I mean I think that's right. like, like the that's hardest what part they're there for. Mm -hmm. and I know you've said this to me before too like just like in America you know as women especially I feel like we're set up to to have to do this on our own or we think we have to um like if we do ask for help you know we're looked on as weak um I just think it's it's so hard for us to make that like initial step. But I do truly believe that people really want to help you. 
right? Like, I mean, if you just ask, yeah. like you said, like church or friends or anyone, like they want to help you. You just either have to ask or be open to receiving the help too, mm-hmm. right? So Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, and I think that's from parents too. Like, I mean, I really didn't even let my mom help me, you know, when my daughter was little. I just was like, I need to show them that I can do this myself. But it's like, who am I trying – like, what am I trying to prove here, right? Like, we're mm-hmm. not we're not here to be heroes, right? We're here to keep our baby safe, raise them to thrive, and be able to survive ourselves, right? But exactly. it doesn't mean that you have to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What's, like, one of the hardest things, like, for you to, like, ask for help for, like, with living with your family? Um, I think now, like, now that I've been here, like, you know, for a little while, it's, it's different. Definitely in the beginning, just the act of asking for help mm-hmm. was really hard for me um, because I, I do like to do things on my own. And um, I think I did see asking for help as, you know, a little bit of a weakness, you know, like I mm-hmm. wanted to be like, no, I'm capable. I got it. Um, but realistically, like we're not meant to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have my husband and he's amazing and mm-hmm. he was so helpful Um, But there were definitely times when I had to be very specific about what I needed help with. Mm -hmm. So like not just like, hey, I need help. I'm overwhelmed. But, you know, um, like for for Paul, for example, like when you come home from work and after you eat dinner, if you can, you know, take care of Colette so I can go take a shower, Mm -hmm. that would be super helpful to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Or going like if I have errands to run that would be you know maybe um challenging to have my mm-hmm. daughter with me yeah. you know like being able to like ask for help like from my mom or from my sister or somebody who's here during the day um like hey can you watch her for you know 30 minutes while I go do this and uh so yeah. now I'm you know more comfortable in doing so and um also it goes you know both ways like they're comfortable telling me no yeah. Um, which is important, you know, because it's like I don't want them to feel like they have to because, right. I mean, Colette is not their child. Like, she's my mm-hmm. responsibility. Um, but, you know, if if I do need help, like, they, they do really step in and help. That's awesome. And I think that's like – that's truly like a balance, right? You guys all have your boundaries. You're not going to like, you know, burn each other out, you know, with asking for help right. and whatnot. You all are – okay saying no and I think we really do kind of get in our own way when it comes to like asking for help because I think if you do specify exactly what you need you know you I always say this like people can't read your mind right like even if you're like (laughs) frazzled and exhausted people can't read your mind that you want to accept help and that you really need someone to step in and like do something for you and I really think like voicing you know step by step what I need you to do I because my husband would say to me the same thing like if I don't say it in like detail he's not just gonna magically know you know what I need Uh, (laughs) you know women I feel like are very intuitive like that like but for my husband it's just like or men in general it's just not that way and he's super super (laughs) helpful don't get me wrong but I just need to be like I need your help this day at this time can you do this Mm -hmm. for me and then it's like it's not even a thing it's just like there and Mm -hmm. yeah and I think of being honest too and being like no I can't that day but I'm happy to help in some other way or I can move something around or just being you know honest about it 
too. Communication, right? I mean, that's yeah. like life. But yeah, communicate yeah. with your help. <laughs> I always like to say too, it's like a partnership. And you have like a whole family unit partnership over there, which is <laughs> even cooler. And I think it's just so incredible. Um, now, where do you, do you see you, yourself staying in your family's house? I honestly have no idea. Um, yeah. I mean, it, in my head, I always pictured you know, having my own house, like, you know, yeah. like when I get married and have my own family, you know, have my family, have my yeah. own house, all of that. Um, at this point, I'm pretty just open to whatever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to sit here and plan out, you know, all of these things and yeah. then it not happen either, yeah. you know. So it's like I am comfortable with where we're at, whether it's a long-term you know, thing. I don't know. Um, you know, we've talked briefly about like, you know, maybe one day this house would become, you know, mine and my husband's. Mm-hmm. And as my parents got older, you know, like they would live yep. here. Um, that kind of thing, just kind of like trade off by the house from them. Yeah. Um, something like that. Or who knows, maybe we all move out, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Cause your, your dad moved here for work, right? So if he changed jobs or something like that. um, Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess really the sky's the limit. Um, I mean, it's like you do – I do know people, though, that have their grandparents that live with them, you know, for life, right? It's like they're – it's just a part of their culture and the grandparents are there and they live there through their whole entire life and they have that support and be – availability to be with their grandparents which is I think just so cool to have that you know different perspective on life you know my daughter sees her grandparents you know like every three months you know it's not like they live close by or anything so I think that's that's really cool and to see the dynamic of like how you treat your parents in front of your child I always find that that really really cool Mm. now as far as um having more children like what's your plan or like for your business what are you planning Kara? yeah um I always so growing up I always just wanted to be a mom and a teacher and um I taught for five years which was wonderful you know I'm yeah doing the mom thing um I always wanted to have you know four kids or you know like whatever I could afford that kind of thing but after getting as sick as I do I have no idea you know and because realistically especially this time like being as sick as I was and not being able to take care of Colette you know well if I get if we have another well now it's not just Colette it would be Colette and you know yeah and one more um so at this point um I do think that, like, we would like to have one more. Uh, I'd like to have all my kids by 30. I've always said that just because then, you know, like, <laughs> You're so young. have them while I'm young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, have them while I'm young. My body can, um, you know, hopefully do its best in recovery and all of yeah. that. Um, but I don't know. Like, being as sick as I am, it's – it's, it's really hard to say, like, yeah, this is what I'm going to yeah. do. Well, and you're also in the end of your pregnancy, it's hard to, like, be like, yeah, I want to have more children when you're, like, about to deliver a baby. I feel like it's hard <laughs> yeah. to see that. Yeah. Um, it definitely would not be, like, anytime soon. Like, I feel like I just need to recover from oh my God, HG absolutely. and all of that. Because um, they, they say it takes, like, for every month you are sick with HG, it takes two to recover. Oh, my um, God. So, yeah, definitely not trying to rush that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just enjoy the baby and 
Colette too. I mean, she's at such yeah. a cute age. Yeah. Now, what are your plans for your business? Yeah, sure. Um, so right now, I mean, it's a part time, you know, a part time. I pretty much just work on it when Colette takes her nap. Yeah. Um, and then on the weekends, on some weekends, I do, you know, like the Troy Farmers Market yeah. or like a couple other, you know, vendor events and expos, um, which is super fun. Um, I don't have like a set timeline for anything, but I think ultimately my goal would be to have my own vendor store. Um, So then I could have not only a storefront for my things, but then also, you know, other small businesses and other people like they could have their things um, in a storefront as well. And I just think like, I don't know, I think they're like a really great opportunity for a lot of people. And um you know, anyone with a small business is all about supporting small businesses. And so like, what better way to support each other? Um, Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. Um, And like, I mean, just coming from this place of openness that you have, right? Like, is that like advice that you would give to women out there? Because it's like you had, this was not in the plan at all. It's like, what's that saying? Like, (laughs) you plan and God laughs. And it's like, this is what happens. (laughs) Like, what advice could you give to women out there today on, you know, going into like asking for help or, you know, utilizing their family? I mean, definitely being open to change of plans makes everything a lot easier. I feel like I learned that lesson really early. Um, Like in high school, I think I learned the lesson of like, oh, you're going to sit here and make all these plans, but, you know, they're not going to go the way that I wanted them to go or expected them to go. And so once I kind of let go of that, um, you know, like, yes, I do still plan things. Right. um, But I'm also like I try to be more like realistic and logical as I plan like, okay, this is what I'm hoping for, but you know, it could look completely different. Um, So definitely being open, if you like being open to change versus like letting change scare you because I think change is scary for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Like is mentally very freeing and then just makes everything so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. I mean, I agree. I think, well, I mean, change is hard for everyone, right? But just being open to be able to, you know, maybe have your plan, but be able to pivot, right? Like if something doesn't go your way, just like be able to problem solve and kind of like accept it for what it is and make the best of the situation and um, know that there is a plan in place, right? Like somehow you are where you're meant to be, right? Like, I mean, like you said, you never thought you'd be living with you know, your mom, your dad, your sis- sisters, um, yeah. you know, and your niece and <laughs> everyone, right? <laughs> Every, literally everyone, right? Is anybody missing? No, your brother, your brother's missing. And my, my brother. Oh my God. So he wife, can move yeah. in too. Where does he, <laughs> he live? Can. Um, He's in the army. So he's actually overseas right now. Okay. They're, in, they're stationed in Europe, but okay. uh, I forgot um, about your brother. Yeah, so yeah, there's I one mean, more. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> the sky's the limit with your family. I love it. Well, I really appreciate you coming on here and just speaking about this because I think it's huge. And just to be help people be able to be open to these things that might seem like impossible but could actually happen, especially in the United States. Um, where can we find you, Kara? Yeah, um, so – 
You can find me on social media. I like my business. I have a social media for that. So on Instagram, mm-hmm. my handle is KSPT underscore Kara Shop of Pretty Things. And then I have a Facebook page, which is just Kara Shop of Pretty Things. I have a website, but it's under construction. So okay. um, I need to do a lot of updating on that. But but (laughs) you have a lot going on. I'm around. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to link all of that below. And if your um, website is done by the time we air this, you know, we can definitely link that below as well. I know you're you're busy. You're going to be busy, though, in the next couple months for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That's just how it's going to (laughs) be. And that's fine. I mean, you have so many beautiful things on your Instagram. People can definitely take a a look there. And you do go to the Troy Farmer's Market, right? Almost, was it once a Mm -hmm. month or how often are you there? Um, So I'm done for the summer summer season I just finished up I'm going on my like maternity leave yeah um just so I can finish prepping for the baby because I'm not ready um (laughs) but in the winter they move inside so in November they do they move the market to an inside location and um while I am recovering my mom and my sister here's my village again right my mom and my sister they're like you know, before holidays is the best time, like for any small business sales wise. And they're like, we don't want you to miss out on that. So they're going to do a couple like twice a month, November, twice a month, December until I can come back oh my um, and God. be back at the market myself. So amazing. Yeah, I mean, how beautiful. <laughs> so I love you it. Can find, I won't be there in November and December, but my stuff and, you know, part of my village will be there. Yeah. Um, wow. Which is really, really cool. So, so cool. Well, thank you so much again for sharing all this. This is incredible. And I really hope it it pushes people to reach out. I know it's like pushing me. I'm like, God, I'm going to start asking my mom for help, even though she's like five <laughs> hours away. <laughs> Virtually babysit my daughter or something. Right. <laughs> all right, Kara. Well, I will talk to you soon. I hope you feel great today and um, have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Empowerhood is brought to you by Flourish Everyday Coaching. Check them out in the link below. And again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. If you could take 60 seconds of your time and leave us an Apple review, this helps share the news about this podcast and help women all over the world. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Thank you so much, and we'll see you at the next episode.